Hey, are you looking to buy a new car? Are you stuck in a high-rate loan and looking to refinance? Well, UK Federal Credit Union can help. Right now, UK Federal Credit Union has auto loan rates as low as 2.99% APR. Apply for an auto loan online at UKFCU.org or in person at the dealership. Get your dream car today at UK Federal Credit Union. UK Federal Credit Union. It's banking only better. Annual percentage rate, member qualification supply, rate of subject credit approval, subject change. For full disclosure, visit UKFCU.org. Federally insured by NCUA. Welcome into episode 86 of the Sources Say Podcast, your go-to Kentucky basketball and recruiting podcast on the Growing KSR Podcast Network. I'm your host, Jack Pilgrim of Kentucky Sports Radio, and today I'm happy to be joined once again by Sean Smith of Go Big Blue Country. Sean, how the heck are you? Off-season, off-season, off-season. No, I'm not too excited about that, are you? No, uh, yeah, it was a, a very disappointing ending to the season. We got, our, got ourselves hyped up and got our hopes up, and once again they come crashing, burning to the ground. So, yeah, that was a, not a fun way to end the season, and we're going to dive all the way into how that happened, transition into you know the recruiting side of things, the draft side of things, whether or not uh, you know we already have a couple news tidbits of who's coming back and who's who's leaving uh, those sorts of things so yeah we got a jam-packed show today uh, but first we're going to get started straight away with a message from our friends at UK Federal Credit Union the University of Kentucky Federal Credit Union has been a proud partner of the Big Blue Nation for over 80 years as a locally owned business we are a proud supporter of the University of Kentucky Wildcats and all its fans whether you are a UK employee student or fan there's a place for you at UK FCU we are a full service financial institution offering a wide array of products from checking and savings accounts to credit cards and mortgages and with your accounts, you have access to a new and improved mobile and online banking and enhanced features, Apple Pay and Google Pay, and over 65,000 free ATMs while offering uh, better interest rates on deposits and loans and having fewer fees on your accounts. UKFCU has all the perks of a big bank, but we are a local and right here at home. So come on over and learn more about what UKFCU can offer you. Visit UKFCU.org to learn more. Go Big Blue. Membership eligibility required federal insured by NCUA. Sean Smith. Who we have uh, quite the show. We are going to, as you know, we have been been with UKFCU for several weeks now. You guys have, have gotten the, that spiel uh, over and over and over again. We love them, but we're introducing not one, but two other brand new sponsors this week. Uh, two, you know, one that we've had several times in the past with my bookie. You guys love them and, and we love them as well. And another one from our friends at Manscaped. We're going to uh, dive into that. You know, you, you guys are going to learn more about the two of us than, than you ever, uh, ever bargained for in your life so bear with us there we're easing our way into uh into a, a beautiful bright partnership bear. with landscape so it's gonna, be, it's gonna be a fun episode bear was a good term there bear with <laughs> us bear with us yes uh, we, we have lots of things to talk about on that front uh, but before we do that we got to just get started with how this season ended kind of the build up to nashville 
the SEC tournament, everybody's, you know, kind of, you know, creating that expectation like, man, what if we, what if they go down there and create magic? What if they go on that four game winning streak and in, in, in Nashville and, and punch a ticket to the NCAA tournament and blah, 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 blah. Go figure. It doesn't end the way that we dream in our heads, just like it didn't go the way that we dreamed in our heads to, you know, open up the season and expectations we all kind of had going into it as well. Uh, I mean, just very, very uh, frustrating finish down in Nashville um, Sean, real quickly, let's let's go into that. Where you know, where did things go wrong for the Wildcats? In November. <laughs> that's true. Like, that's, that's true. That's where it went wrong uh, for Kentucky. But no, I mean, didn't you feel like we were just watching the same thing, like that we watched in Starkville that yeah. night? The game trended the same way. I mean, obviously the deficit was larger in Nashville, but then Dante comes in. Tries to save the day, almost saved the day. Uh, had a great look at it at the end of the game. Just hit off the back of the rim. That's that's basketball. Uh, you give that shot to him ten times, he probably hits it five six. I mean, that's just the way it plays out. But I think that people people were excited about the possibility of them making a run, Jack. But I also think that people were kind of ready to just kind of rip the bandaid off. Yeah. And and now it's like, all right, it's done. Selection Sunday's over. Kentucky's not in the NCAA tournament. Kentucky's not in the NIT. Now the thoughts shift to next season. And I just think that overall, I think this fan base was ready for the offseason for the first time in program history. I don't think that I've ever been able to say that, but I do think that given how brutal it was, I mean, I was on the phone with someone last night, Jack, and we were talking about the losses. And it was just crazy because it started because we were like, where did it go wrong? Like, where did we when did we realize that this team was not going to be an elite team that could make a run in the NCAA tournament? Because that was what we first went. Right. We didn't say they wouldn't make the NCAA tournament. We were saying this team can't make a run. This team is a first weekend exit. And then it became a they're not even good enough to get into the NCAA tournament. They're an NIT team. And then it transitioned to you didn't even do enough to get into the NIT. Or the CBI so, or whatever other you know crappy invitational tournament. They so didn't we make, were they didn't make anything. We were talking. We're and I think Louisville was the one that we both decided on, and it was like that was when we were like, yeah, this is pretty bad. Mm-hmm. But then they they thought you thought they had you. They they win two SEC games, then they go beat Florida, and that turns around, and you're like, all right, here here you go, here they come. And then you follow it with the losses to Georgia, the losses to Auburn, the way they lost at Missouri, the way they lost at Arkansas. Uh, six minutes into the Florida game, forgot how to run offense. I mean, it's just – it was – they needed to pull the plug, and they did. And I think everybody is better because of it, honestly. Well, I think there were two, two options for this team going into, going into Nashville. Either they lose the way they did, rip the Band-Aid off day one – disappointing loss where fans can go, you know what, this season is exactly what we thought it was. Screw it. Let's just get this over with. Let's start with the draft decisions. Let's start with transfers. Let's, you know, recruiting. Let's just get a head start on everything and just just hit reset. reset. That was option number one. Option number two was go on their magical run, you know, win the SEC tournament, 
you know, maybe win a game or two in the NCAA tournament, make it, you know, make us a, a sweet 16 run or something to where you could go, wow, they turned that hunk of garbage start into a sweet 16 run. I think that would have been, uh, you, you know, more than enough for fans to just go, oh, you know, th- this was worthwhile. And then we could have lived with, uh, you know, a BJ Boston draft departure, uh, Terrence Clark, Isaiah Jackson, obviously, um, you know, and then even like a Davion Mintz, who has kind of been on that fringe. You could have lived with him exploring his his professional options, you know, even like a Keon Brooks. You, you could you could have lived with, you know, kind of following that same mass exodus, or or at least you know the the typical five to six departures that we get every single year with the Kentucky. I think fans could have could have accepted that if if that was the case, but. There was no win one game, then lose to Alabama in the second round, or or beat Alabama, get everybody's hopes up going into Saturday, and then fall. I mean, I think UK fans wanted either either of their their expectations confirmed that this team was not good enough and they needed to just end the season, or they were good enough to make a magical run and to actually do it. There was there was no in between, and and I'm you know it's unfortunate that the the worst of the two um, happened, but. It did, and I think that's just – I think, yeah, I think it's created an early um, evaluation period for Coach Cal. I think this is the biggest offseason of his Kentucky career, maybe even his entire coaching career, uh, where, you know, he has to kind of look at himself in the mirror and go, is this is this what I need to be doing moving forward? You know, I, I've always been the, you know, one step ahead of the game. I was, you know, doing things that, that you know, was, was innovative and, and – looking into the future well before anybody else was. And it kind of feels like he's kind of taken a step back into the, you know, eighties and nineties and early thousands while everybody else is living in 2021. So well, this, this is a big offseason for him with, you know, offensive philosophies, recruiting yeah. philosophies, who he's going to bring into the program, whether he's going to be recruiting kids back. And so, you know, usually a BJ Boston, he has said in the past, you know, here's my three minutes. Here's what, what I think you need to know you know, let me know if you need anything, have fun with the draft process. You know, is this going to be the off season that Cal looks at himself and goes, you know what? I need to recruit BJ Boston back. He needs to get the full Kentucky experience. We need him back. This is a huge, huge off season for coach Cal. It is. It's, it's, it's a huge off season for the program. Obviously this is, this is a program, Jack, you, you think back to Bill Gillespie when they, when they fired Billy Gillespie, once they got John Calipari on board, you knew it was going to be better because the talent changed within two weeks. Once John Wall, DeMarcus Cousins, Eric Bledsoe, those guys were on board, you could see change coming. Uh, go back to Patino and, you know, Eddie Sutton in that offseason, in that transition, that was a huge transition for the Kentucky program. Obviously, probation was a factor then. But this feels like it's a turning point. It's a turning point because the game is evolving in so many ways. And you saw it yesterday in the SEC title game, the style of play. Like mm-hmm. Alabama, LSU, the way that they played. I mean, you're talking threes from 27 feet, threes from 25 feet, layups at the rim. Um, that is changing. You also now see that the transfer portal is becoming a more prominent player than getting five-star freshmen. Like, do we transition to our transfers, our elite transfers, the story of college basketball for the next decade? Or is it going to remain five-star freshmen, how it was for the last 10 to 12 years? 
And then you throw in now that the ACC has joined in, has joined in on allowing players to transfer within the conference and be immediately eligible, which we expect the SEC to follow because if one's doing it, everyone's going to do it. They need it. So you're at such a pivotal point. And like I said, I was talking to someone last night, and I, I don't want to say who because we didn't really talk about sharing this information on anything. But they were talking that they think that maybe, just maybe, John Calipari didn't work as hard recently as he did in the past. Maybe he got to a point to where he just assumed that it didn't matter if it was the number one, number two kid, or maybe it didn't matter if it was about fit. He thought he could take any group of players and kind of mold it into something, and he found out this year that it, you just can't take anybody. you got to go for fit. And I think that, that like that's the thing we're talking about now, right? Bryce Hopkins, Nolan Hickman, yeah. Damian Collins, sure, two McDonald's All-Americans. Elite recruits, do they fit? Right. We don't know, and we won't know. Like, is does this pattern continue with those three? I don't know. I, that's something we have to wait and see. But I do think that I do think that this is going to fire Cal up. I think you're going to get the best of Cal, the best whatever he has left. I mean, we don't know. Like, I don't. I don't think he's definitely going anywhere because Jackie has too much pride. Yeah. Like he has too much pride. Not just. Not just to not just to get this going in the right direction for one season, this might have been the thing that kind of needs to ignite him because look, what what's everybody talking about now? We're talking about Nate Oates. Mm-hmm. We're talking about uh, Eric Musselman. We're talking about Rick Barnes. John Calipari's not being discussed as much in the SEC. I mean, Nate Oates Ego got introduced there. as the SEC coach of the year yesterday in the SEC championship game. He won the league regular season. He won the league tournament, and he pretty much told Will Wade to F off. He did. Like, Literally. <laughs> it, it literally is a guy who looks like he's trying to take charge of John Calipari's conference. And what does that do to Cal this offseason? I, I, I can, I'm going to say Cal hasn't slept much since last Thursday. Yeah, I, I agree. And there, there's two points I want to make, you know, kind of bouncing off, off what you said. You know, I, I, I'm almost curious if – you remember last offseason when, when Cade Cunningham, that, kind, that small window of opportunity opened to get him. And goodness yeah. gracious, could you imagine how, what that would have done to this season? I mean, It would have been significantly different. Have, starting him at point guard would have been a complete game changer. But there was – a. It was almost frustrating because there was an a, a an emergent like an urgency with Cal on the recruiting trail with him where he visited him what seemed to be every weekend flew down to flew down to Florida and and watched him play at Montverde or saw him at his school met with him I mean I think there was he met with him like seven times over the course of like two months or three months or something ridiculous over you know in the home stretch of his recruitment. Uh, you know, got him on campus for the for the official visit, and you know that we we've said on this show over and over and over again that he did commit silently to the coaching staff on his official visit, went home, and and ended up you, you know his parents said let's take a step back and not just make a decision on him on a motion. Let's you know kind of think this thing through, and that's kind of when you take took a step back. But there was an urgency with Coach Cal that we didn't see with anybody in that entire recruiting cycle until Cade came around. And that was kind of, and that's kind of, we didn't, we haven't seen, and we, we haven't gotten in-person recruiting with this. We don't know how these virtual visits are going and, you know, guys like Jaden Hardy and the, you know, the can't miss guys at the top of the class. And, you know, the G league kind of struck in last year, they were all in on the guys like Jalen green and, 
and you know even Jonathan Kaminga there for a while even though he was obviously leaning toward going pro I mean there was there were a lot of different factors that kind of created the the hurdles but there the sense of urgency that Cal had with Cade was almost like well why aren't we getting this same level of urgency elsewhere and you know maybe he just got content he got his two guys early and 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 BJ Boss and Terrence Clark and said, screw it. You know, I think that these are the, these are the two guys that we need. They're going to be good enough and just kind of settled from that point on. Uh, uh, but you know, it's, it, I, I do genuinely think that that's going to be, you know, kind of, he's going to use that as our, well, you know, we've seen him within the last year ramp his up, ramp up his recruiting efforts and become a, just a madman on the recruiting trail with Cade. And, you know, he almost pulled that off even with, you know, with Kate's brother at Oklahoma State. He nearly pulled that off. So, you know, he still has that fire in him. And that's why I think you're, you bring up a good point with that is because we, we have seen it very recently with him. We need to see that extended into, you know, the transfer portal in the next couple, in the next couple of weeks and, and month or two. Um, but my second point is I'm almost curious if, with the transfer portal and, and, you know, the one year immediate transfer rule hitting and, and just kind of how everything's shifting. You almost wonder if Cal is going to start going, you know, focusing only on the top 10 recruits, maybe even like top seven, top five, where that is where he dedicates all of his interest because that is, you know, Cal's best teams have gotten at least one or two players from that grouping. So does he just focus on those guys leave out that 10 to 20 range, 10 to 25 range, the guys that think that they're one and dones, but may not be good enough to be one and dones. You know, there are some hit and miss, you know, hit, hits and misses every once in a while in that, in that range. But, but for the most part, those are guys that think that they're, you know, they're because they're top 15, top 20, they deserve to be, you know, lottery picks after one year and you know the EJ Montgomery's of the world and those those sorts of players where they just want to get out early I wonder if Cal is going to only put an emphasis on the the top five maybe top 10 even that that might be pushing it cut out that 9 to 20 range and then if you, if he's going to recruit 25 to 35 to 45 or whatever like you did with Devin Askew Cameron Fletcher Lance Ware he approaches it and says you are multi-year players whether you like it or not, you will not be the focal point. You know, if you turn into a Shea Gilders Alexander or something, by all means, you know, you're going to get your opportunity, but you better come in expecting to be a multi-year player, you know, almost. And then obviously on top of that with a transfer portal, that's going to be his biggest emphasis. Make sure he gets the immediate impact guys that have been, you know, at the college game for several years. I think it needs to be more about fit. And, And that's where I don't think that that's why I don't want to give him a pass for what happened this season. COVID didn't affect their value, the evaluation of the class that just played at UK. Mm-hmm. They got to watch those guys with their own two eyes multiple times. They got to walk in homes. Now they're not getting to do that. So that's where it's going to be harder to evaluate. I think that's why it's very important that they win the transfer portal. And what does the transfer portal do to college basketball? What's it do to college sports? I mean, I think that is going to be – the topic now that's going to dominate the spring. I don't think it will be NBA draft decisions anymore. I think it will be the transfer portal. I think that's what we're all going to be talking about. How many names go in this thing? I mean, you're seeing it right now. Like, yeah, I mean, Louisville season pretty much ended yesterday, and there's names in the, there's a name in the portal. I mean, it's it's just nuts to think that how all this kind of shakes out. And but. Cal has to really focus in here, Jack, and I think it is more important to go after fit than it is what spot. 
Like you can't just go get the number two point guard if or number one point guard. If he doesn't fit what you want to do, don't go get him. Go get number five if number five fits better. Mm-hmm. Uh, go get shooters. Go get guys who are skilled that can play alongside and, and kind of do a couple of things like offensively skilled players is what I think that the program really needs to transition to. Yeah, you can't have these these dead spot fours and dead spot threes where you you have to kind of force them in a position just to get them on the floor, like the big lineups. Like I'm I'm tired of the three four five. With, it's a huge lineup. Go with skill. Go with a guy that can knock down shots. Uh, so that's where I think it comes from now. That I just think that they need to identify fit more than they do how much talent there is there. Like it. I mean, for every Devin Askew situation, you'll get a Shea Gilgis Alexander or something along those lines. I mean, how many times? I mean, similar ranking. You look at Nolan Hickman, similar ranking, Devin Askew. Is he going to be what Devin Askew was this season, or is he going to be what Kentucky fans expect out of a point guard coming in? You don't know. Like, we we can watch these guys, but it's just different until they get on campus. And that's where I think that Kentucky and Cal just need to kind of sit back this spring and identify, hey, are we going to change some things? Are we going to change our approach? And I just think that, honestly, I think that you're going to see the transfer portal really change the way college basketball is kind of built and structured. And it's going to really help, I think, programs like Kentucky who struggled this year, Duke who struggled this year. I think those are the programs that are going to benefit. You can instantly go from sucking to to really good if you get a couple of guys that say, hey, I want to play at Kentucky. It's still Kentucky. Nine and 16, nine and 15, doesn't matter. It's Kentucky. Yeah. Like yeah. one season's not going to change the – the gold standard. It's not. Yeah, absolutely. We're, when we're going to talk all about the, you know, the ins and outs of who might be coming back, uh, who, who's leaving. And then like Sean said, who, who, who is going to be that perfect fit for this next year's roster? How is, how is Calipari going to construct this with, you know, who, who decides to leave and who ultimately decides to come back. But before we get into that, Sean, it's go time, ready or not, here we come. It's, it's, uh, it's our first ad read with, the one and only Manscaped. If uh, any of our listeners are rated G or rated PG listeners, just tune out here for a second, hit mute for a minute, and let us get through this because it is definitely one for the ages. All right, let's jump right in. All right, support for the Sources Say podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision engineered tools for your family jewels they obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide we have an exclusive offer for my listeners 20 percent off plus free shipping with the code pilgrim at manscaped.com all right sean Manscaped hooked me up with uh, a, you know, quite a bit of tools and formulations from their Perfect Package 3.0 kit. Um, and all right, I got to be honest. I'm usually the type of guy that when I am, um, you know, cutting that area and giving myself a haircut for the uh, lower region, I I have always, you know, I've kind of had my routine in the past. I've I've always, uh, you know, kind of stuck with my guns, and and I was a little scared. They came to us and and uh, you know felt us out about doing this. And, and I got to admit, I was a little skeptical because I'm a, I'm a creature of habit. So um, they, I, when we finally agreed to make this happen, I said, you know what, screw it. Let's just go in on this. Let's give it a shot. And 
I, I got to be honest, it kind of changed my life. It was a game changer, Sean. It's, it really is better than anything. You know, you, you listen to all the ad reads, you listen to the jingles that they have on the radio shows. And Sean, it was truly, truly uh, just a life-changing experience for me. Manscaped has created the best ball hair trimmer ever, the Lawnmower 3.0. Their third-generation trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin-safe technology. I now feel confident shaving my boys. In addition, this trimmer comes with an LED light. This is my favorite part by far, Sean. For a more precise shave and is waterproof to make your shower shave clean and easy. And don't use this, the same trimmer you use on your face as your balls. That's just nasty. I mean, you, let's just be totally honest. It's, it's, it's gross, Sean. The Lawnmower 3.0 comes inside their brand new Perfect Package 3.0, which comes with everything you need to keep trimmed, cut free, and smelling nice down there. The Manscaped Perfect 3 Package 3.0 also includes the Crop Preserver, Sean, an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. You already put deodorant on your armpits. Why are you not putting deodorant on the smelliest part of your body? And yes, Sean, hate to tell you this, but your balls stink. So, speaking of sweaty and stinky balls, obviously, I am thankful for their Crop Reviver, this product, along with the Crop Preserver, keeps your balls from sweating, smelling, and sticking. Manscaped threw in two free gifts into their perfect package, a pair of high-performance Manscaped boxer briefs. I absolutely love these. Just so you know, stretchy, soft, smooth, just, just had me feeling uh, just a night and day difference from what I've been, you know, the crappy Hanes underwear that I've been using in the past. Just, you, you know, you throw away the Walmart brand underwear. Just get these Manscaped boxers as well. They will keep your junk feeling fresh all day and a travel shed bag to store all of your grooming goodies. Trim that junk of yours. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code PILGRIM. That's P-I-L-G-R-I-M at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. I promise you. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code PILGRIM at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com with promo code PILGRIM, P-I-L-G-R-I-M. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. They have the tools for the family jewels. They do. They do. They most certainly do. I, uh, I'm i proud fan. of you. Big, big fan. I know. That was a, that was a nice little uh, – I- getting out of my box a little bit, you know, just had to shake. I can only imagine, I can only imagine the reaction. We're going to get to that, that ad read. It's all right. You know what? We, it sounds, it sounds weird. First time reading it. It felt weird for me too. But again, this is just you and I talking here. Don't make this awkward. It is what it is. Just go, (laughs) just go buy this product. It's going to be a life changer for you. I was skeptical at first. Oh, I already have it. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. You know, you sent it to me, you know, from experience, this this isn't just your typical Walmart Walmart group, you know, groomer and, and shaving kit that you you know you get for twenty dollars, fifteen dollars off the clearance rack at Walmart. This is going to change your life and you're gonna be better off for it. That's promo code Pilgrim, 20% off free shipping at manscaped.com. Go do it, go use it. You will enjoy your life even more. All right, Sean. <laughs> we got that out of the way. Thank God. Back to the bouncing balls. Back to the Kentucky bouncing balls. All right. So let's let's do you, let's uh, do you want to do draft decisions first or transfer portal? You know, let's, let's go Cameron Fletcher first. Right. We got to go. We got to go with with draft decisions. So there were actually two draft decisions that have been made. The first, our very own 
me broke the news on KSR about Devin Askew returning to school for his second year. Uh, we've mentioned on this podcast over and over and over again, we've had Devin on this show. We've had his dad on the show over and over again. Uh, they have been very open and honest about this process and understanding that this is a multi-year deal that, that, you know, year one did not go as planned. They, you know, it was, it was a struggle. Devin struggled. It was, you know, he, all of the, the, the struggles you expect to see out of a reclassified 18 year old starting point guard at Kentucky, averaging 30 plus minutes a game, all of the struggles that you anticipate a player like that to have Devin had them in, in the first year. And, uh, you know, I, I talked to his dad immediately after the, the um, Thursday night on, on the, after the game. And then again on, on Friday morning and just kind of said, all right, you know, where are you guys leaning? Is this a done deal? You know, there's obviously the rumors of, uh, you know, every time there's a West Coast kid coming to Kentucky, there's rumors, you know, Johnny Juzang, Jamal Baker, you know, Kyle Wilcher in the past that they're going to, you know, homesickness and transfer back, you know, closer toward, uh, you know, the West Coast and, and closer toward home. Uh, immediately, immediately responded and said, no, we are locked in for next season. We're, you know, this is a, we're playing a long game here. We trust the process. We know that things didn't work out in our favor year, you know, year one, but this is what we signed up for. We love Cal's coaching and, and that, you know, that's been the constant um, sentiment throughout the entire season. So Sean, what does uh, Devin Askew's return mean for the program going into uh, the 2021, 2022 season? Experience. I mean, I don't think you can, you can never undervalue experience. I know Devin struggled this year at Kentucky and certainly he needs to to key in on a couple of areas in his game, I think, to really make an impact moving forward. I mean, you saw his minutes kind of go away uh, there down down the stretch the last two or three games of the season. I mean, rightfully so. I mean, when it got to that point, I thought Cal did a good job playing the guys at that spot that they needed to play, moving Davion Mintz to point. But you you can't just – you can't overlook experience. I mean, the minutes that he played this season, it's big. Uh, I thought he had a really good attitude all year. I thought he was very vocal on the floor when you could see him at times, whether it was on TV or whether we were at Rep Arena. He was one of the guys talking in the huddle. But I do think that there's a couple of things that Devin really needs to to focus on this offseason. And I've had people be like, what are, you, what are you talking about? Are people wanting Cal to move him to off the ball? Or has Cal said that? No, Cal hasn't said that. But I just think that all of us watching with our own two eyes kind of feel like that what they have, like let's say Davion Mintz is back, Nolan Hickman coming in. Who else do they get at guard in the portal? Kind of feels like Devin Askew's role as a sophomore will be knocking down shots and being a lockdown defender on the perimeter, which I think he could become. I think he could really become a very dependable defender on the ball if he commits to it. And that's the thing, right? This is a program that we talk all the time that it, you can't have just 10 stars. You need guys who buy into a role and do it well and then let's say junior Devin Askew, if he's still at Kentucky, maybe he moves back to on the ball. You don't know. But I just think impact next year as a sophomore, it needs to be a quicker release on a shot, needs to knock down consistently from three-point range. If he is open, needs to be just a money shooter. And then always, if you can defend, you can play for John Calipari. I think that's what it means. But like I said, you can't, you can't underappreciate the value of experience at Kentucky regardless of what form it comes in. I talked to his dad. And Kentucky experience is a big deal. I think I said this on the show um, the week after the Tennessee game or two weeks afterward or whatever. I talked to Devin Askew's dad going into the game. 
and I said, you know, it was right in the kind of the heat of his struggles and how, you know, I was just like, Hey man, how are you doing? How's, how, you know, um, things aren't going as planned. How, how's Devin doing? How are you holding up? How's the family holding up? And, uh, he kept saying, he said, look, my son is averaging 30 minutes a game at the university of Kentucky playing for hall of fame coach in John Calipari. It's like, yeah, I know he, some of these turnovers are rough. I know the timing of the turnovers are rough. I know he's missing shots. He's not the player that we kind of knew he know, know he can be at the end of the day, what he was in high school, what he was at the AAU level. He, he's not that player right now, but he's averaging 30 minutes a game playing for John Calipari at the University of Kentucky. And, it, and that's, it's kind of one of those take a step back and look like it's so frustrating seeing the, you know, you put out the report that, that Devin's deciding to re- return for a sophomore season. And some of the responses are like, oh, gosh, here we go again. How – oh, this is the worst news I've heard all day. It's like, guys, shut up. Like, do, you do realize that development is a thing, right? You do realize that players get better, that Nick Richards, when he stepped on campus day one, it wasn't the same Nick Richards that he was when he left as a junior, as a draft pick. Do you re- Was there ever a moment in in – you know his freshman year at Kentucky that you ever thought he could be a contender for SEC player of the year contender for SEC defensive player of the year and, yeah, a, draft dra- and a draft pick <laughs> did you ever think he could walk across the stage after his freshman year and I bet all the same fans that that are saying over and over and over again oh Devin Askew sucks he needs to transfer Kentucky would be better off if he'd be gone oh this is the worst news I heard all day all of those fans I guarantee you were the same ones that said the same thing about Nick Richards and they were the ones celebrating Nick Richards when he ultimately decided you know said oh Nick Richards did it the right way that's the it's like shut up this is this is what you want you 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 guys complain nonstop about having the one and done process and and you know, how we're not developing a connection with these players. Devin Askew came in and struggled year one, and he, you know, has a chin up going into year two saying, yeah, I know I'm not ready for the next level. Let's come back and, and, and hit reset for year two. That's exactly what you want as a Kentucky fan. Well, appreciate this. Development is real. If he comes back and becomes a 40% three-point shooter, 30, 38% three-point shooter, and averages – eight points a game and four assists a game, that is a net positive. And if you have a complimentary point guard, if, if Kentucky adds a Justin Powell or adds somebody else in the transfer portal, you know, however the however it unfolds, if they add a true, you know, star, and maybe he has a great development, you know, we kind of said the same thing about Emmanuel quickly. We've used this comparison over and over again. We thought going from year one to year two for Emmanuel quickly, he was going to be UK's star catch and shoot like Deron Lamb type player. He was going to be there. You know, he's going to be a 40% three-point shooter, average nine points a game, 10 points a game, hitting three, three threes a game, you know, whatever. And he, and, and he started the year as a complimentary catch and shoot type piece, but he got so good and developed so well throughout the offseason and as the season progressed, that Cal had no option but to start him. We could see the exact same scenario with, with Devin Askew. I mean, look at the numbers. They're really not even that far off between Emmanuel Quickly's year oh. one numbers and Devin Askew's year, year one numbers. Just be patient. This is uh, You wanted this the, the, the process in to, to kind of shift away from the just bring in high-level five-star players and send them off and, and completely refresh the next year. Well, this is what you wanted. Here's the thing, and this is what I was getting at when I was saying possibly a role change. Just looking at the roster next season, if if some things shake out the way we expect it to, I think Devin's open to doing whatever it takes 
to have a successful spot in the UK basketball program. He's shown you that by saying he's coming back. Um, Emmanuel quickly in high school, Jack, he had the ball in his hands the entire time, right? Uh, wasn't a guy off the ball. Freshman season at Kentucky, got moved off the ball because of Ashton Hagens and everything there at the point guard spot. But then what it become is you saw Emmanuel Quickly's game go to another level when he spent an offseason learning how to move off the ball. Devin Askew had the ball a lot this season in his hands. It wasn't, wasn't successful with it. Uh, didn't really have a burst or wiggle to get by someone. Uh, definitely struggled at times. You saw that late in the game against Mississippi State last week. And when shot clock's winding down, he gets the ball, tries to dribble, picks his dribble up, and then has to force a long two. This is where I think it could help him, though. Get off the basketball, learn how to play without the ball in your hands, get crafty, learn how to come off screens, learn how to read screens, maybe mix in that little floater that we've seen from him. Then if he adds a perimeter jumper, you don't know what happens. And I just uh, – obviously, like I said, you cannot be upset that there's experience coming back. Uh, you're talking about a program and a fan base that has screened for a long time, that they want familiarity, they want continuity. This is this is what you get. Sometimes you get freshman seasons that force you to come back for sophomore seasons. I mean, Keon Brooks, same same situation, right? Wasn't ready to go after a freshman year. Comes back. You don't know where this turns out. Uh, I don't think it. I definitely don't think it's time to give up on Devin Askew. I mean, I know I've been very critical at times, but I was more critical that Cal kept putting him in the spot that he was putting him in when we finally saw at the end of the year that it was better off for Davion Mintz to be the one. That was what I was more critical of than what than Devin Askew. But uh, I'm excited to see what happens. Obviously, he's a kid that is he's had the right mindset before since his days before he got to Kentucky. I think that's what set up today. He prepared himself for for this decision. Uh, he went into Kentucky thinking, you know what? If I'm not ready, I'm not leaving. He has told us how many times. But it's Kentucky, and we also we've been burned by this, right? And I don't. I think it was hard for people to really believe it. But give credit to him. Give credit to his dad. They've said all along that they're not running from the challenge at Kentucky, and that's the kind of kid you want in your program. And I do think that Devin Askew, let's say that it's not even after sophomore year, who knows what the roster looks like going into that junior year, along with Scott Clark, there might be an even bigger role for Devin Askew. I mean, look – Look at the Villanovas of the world and the, you know, the, those type of national title winners over the last decade or so. They have all had players like Devin Askew, inside, you know, Jalen Brunson, who was a multi-year guy that took a, you know, a long time to develop. Very similar situation where the, the killer instinct, the crazy, crazy work ethic, those type of traits – Devin Askew, you know, leadership ability, floor general abilities, those types of things Devin Askew had back in high school, they had from the minute he stepped on campus for the first time, those don't just disappear. He is always going to have that, you know, killer instinct, but the physical side of things aren't there yet. He's going to need to get faster. He's going to need to work on dribble separation. He's going to be able to be a, need to be a knockdown shooter, you know, as we're kind of, you know, transitioning into that maybe, you know, off ball role, catch and shoot type guy, at least, you know, that, just just to kind of give him some opportunities to start going into next year, uh, you know, as just that catch-and-shoot guy. he's He has things to work on, but if there's one thing that you can get excited about, it's that this dude lives in the gym. He he. That, that's the one thing the coaching staff says over and over again. Nobody will outwork Devin Askew, and that is a trait that 
nine times out of 10, 10 times out of 10, those type of players get better. One thing they said about Emmanuel quickly, why he made year one to year two jump was because he was in the gym more than anybody else on the team. He, I mean, there were, I, I think it was, how. Oh, uh, John Rothstein, I believe, when you know every offseason, he kind of says, the one player that I'm looking out for this year was Isaiah Jackson. I said, the one player that I'm looking out for this year, when he said, when he said uh, last year, Emmanuel Quickly, he said, I'm hearing that, that the coaching staff cannot get over how often he has been in the gym to Im- improve his craft. That is going to be Devin Askew. Whether he makes the big jump that we need him to or not, he is going to have the work ethic side of things down. And that's something that Kentucky fans just have to be excited about. And it's this is a move that that there, there is no net there, – there's no negative to this. There is only positive that can come from Devin Askew returning. Kentucky fans need to be excited about it. I don't want to take a soft topic here, but I want, to, I want to throw this out there. So, Doug Gottlieb just said that Indiana might be the best job in America. Get the hell out of here, Doug <laughs> he said. He, he said Indiana is a top-five job with facility upgrades and the next coach isn't falling an icon. Probably best job in America, to be honest. Like, just it when you think – oh Just when you God. think Doug Gottlieb can't say anything worse, he says that. But it's going to be interesting to see who lands there. Is it Rick Patino? Is, so. is it Nate Oates? I mean, I think I that's it. something. But – uh, It'll be interesting to see. Obviously, now we need to transition to Cameron Fletcher. We do. And, yeah. Jack, let's just go ahead and say it. No surprise. I, I could not have been more, more beating around the bush, you know, trying to give – Don't say Go, yeah. We don't have bushes on this episode. We already had our first uh, experience that with Manscaped. But I've been talking about that possibility for – since the season began every time I talked about Cameron Fletcher I said there are people around him that do not think he's going to make it here at Kentucky they think he's going to transfer after year after one year they don't think he's met he's he's cut out for it you know not mentally but that that he's going to go to a program that less of a spotlight where he can be a bigger star more so than trying to, you know, fight through the weeds and, and come out, you know, as a, as a major serious contributor at the University of Kentucky. There were people from day one that said that. And I said on the show over and over and over again, I'm a huge Cameron Fletcher. Uh, he got off to a horrible – I mean, he got off to a great start with the Moorhead State game and then in the Richmond game, I believe he started. He started uh, – that North Carolina game was an absolute nightmare for him. The sideline antics were not good. There were a lot of things that happened off the court that a lot of people were like, well, all he did was have a sideline blow up in the North Carolina game. Why are people making such a big deal about it? Well, this is a dude that was also like very obviously, you know, cussing out. He was talking to somebody on the phone. I think Drew Franklin said this on, on the radio, but he's leaving home when Cal sent him home for Christmas break. He's on speakerphone at the airport cussing out Coach Cal and saying, you know, calling out his teammates and other things. Not a good look. It got, you know, that type of stuff got back to Coach Cal. Not a good look, you know, on, on Cal's end where, you know, he looks at it and goes, okay, so you're saying all this stuff about me in the public for people to see how do you want to handle the situation i will give credit to both sides they handled it so well getting him back on campus he was an awesome cheerleader he realized that he made a mistake he was an awesome cheerleader from the minute he got back on campus till the final game of the season he was the first person off the bench you know shouting and yelling swinging his towel around he was the ultimate 
teammate and I give him incredible this this could have unfolded so much worse than it actually did if you know he could have spouted off and on you know publicly and said you know screw this I'm getting out of here I don't want to be here he could have quit I'm gonna be totally honest he could have left the program like Khalil Whitney did in the middle of the year he could have you know said screw this I'm, I'm gonna put my name in the portal he could have quit on this team way back uh, way back before and I give him the utmost respect and, 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 you know, appreciation for sticking it out and, and, you know, being a good teammate from, from start, from the time he got back and to the finish line. So I, I'm rooting for him. I will always be a Cameron Fletcher fan. I, I really do think that he was going to be a good player down the road. Um, there's a, I've been in contact with his mom. I think she's going to give me a list of schools that have been in contact with him and they are both sides have handled this situation about as well as you could. This was not a good fit. A lot of people didn't think it was a good fit from day one. He's going to be off to greener pastures and, and I think he's going to be a successful college basketball player. I'm very excited for his future. Yeah. And I could see him if, if the SEC decides to do the same thing the ACC is doing. I could see him at a place like Missouri if it comes down to an SEC school. And then obviously you want to look at schools too that he was in contact with before committing to Kentucky and signing with Kentucky. I mean, obviously we're seeing that now with Oscar Sheboy and, and Kentucky. I mean, you see that connection there. But yeah, you're right. The way that both sides handled it, I don't think it could have been handled any better uh, when it comes to obviously it was embarrassing for Fletcher when Cal sent him home. Cal got a lot of criticism. Cal actually kind of fell on the sword in that situation. But I knew the moment he played him the final six minutes of the South Carolina game, that that was more for college coaches to see Cameron Fletcher on the floor and that he's, that was kind of the, the send off. That was the look, look kid. This is how far you've come. You're here. I'm doing this. I'm sending you off Mm -hmm. this, this going in the portal decision, Jack, in my opinion, I think it was decided in December when he came back that he would finish the year out of Kentucky and then enter the transfer portal. Yeah. I I think this was the least surprising news of the off season by far. Um, you, you will not get a, 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 another tidbit of news that comes close to the lack of surprise on this one. This was, this was written in, in pencil for, I, I was, I, I was still holding out hope that something would change, you know, going into this off season that he would change his mind. But this was something that was in well, discussions for quite some time that just got finalized literally right when they got back. And I think he, I think he might have changed his mind when it come down to fit. But when you look at just the log jam there, let's just say that Keon Brooks comes back, Jacob Toppin's back. Uh, you got all these. Uh, got Bryce Hopkins coming in who can play that position. You're going to have Damian Collins. There's a lot of bodies there, and I just don't know where Fletcher fits. I mean, this this was more to me. I think had he not been sent home in December and had the discipline issue, I think this still would have been the result. I still think that he would have transferred from Kentucky after one year. Yeah. And, and how, how much does this show you, I guess, just looking at the overall season, the fact that he started the second game of the season, should that have told us maybe that this season was going to be kind of a dumpster fire? <laughs> That's true. Like, I mean, just when you look at it like that, that, you know, but you and I went on here after the beat Morehead state was like, man, if Cameron Fletcher gives them that, they're going to be, they're going to be hard to handle. But, <laughs> Little we, we didn't see what was about to happen, but it, it it works out for everyone. I mean, Fletcher's going to have a good career somewhere, and the Kentucky basketball program will continue moving forward as well. Uh, 
I, it was encouraging to see Fletcher really accept his teammates in the final three months that he was at Kentucky. He, he fell in love with it. He was a he was vocal and active on the bench. And honestly, it worked out for him. If you leave Kentucky under the circumstances that John Calipari sent you home and you don't come back and nobody sees your face for a while, you won't have as many schools knocking on your door wanting you to come play for them. But it's all about saving face. And I think that not only did Cal kind of save face too from the whole sending someone home because he got a lot of criticism for that. He did. But they had their moment there at the end of the season where he praised him. And then Cameron obviously come back and thank Kentucky. And it, it was a it was a good ending. It was it, it was you couldn't have asked for a better way for that to go go down from where it was in December. I mean, just it, it could have been a nightmare scenario PR for both sides of things. I mean, it could have been. The it was way, it was transitioning that way at first. <laughs> the way they kept things in house, and I, I mean, it was it, it could have gotten a lot worse. They handled both sides handled it extremely well. He stuck it out, and I I have a utmost appreciation and respect for Fletcher for sticking things out and. And knowing the writing was on the wall for him to leave way back when, I mean, there was a lot of, I mean, right when he committed, there was talk that he would, that he'd be transferring a year from the, from that moment. So uh, yeah, very, very much appreciate Cam for his time and what he did here. Um, You know, wish he could have stuck it, stuck it out and and been a multi-year guy. I I really like his game, Um, but I'm I'm looking forward to seeing where he lands and, and, We'll be on. I'll be in contact with his his mom and get you know the list of schools and all that. And we'll talk about next next episode. We'll talk about you know potential landing spots for him and all that. All right, we're going to uh, have one quick last message before we kind of go into the last segment of this show where we talk about potential you know the returnees and then uh, who UK might be looking at in the transfer portal portal who they're already um, in contact with those sorts of things. So real quickly, let's have a message from our friends at MyBookie. March is here and the madness has officially begun. It's time for you to shoot your shot and score big on the nonstop action with MyBookie. Select the winners from 63 tournament games in the MyBookie bracket contest for a chance at $10,000 in cash prizes. And it's only a dollar to enter. It doesn't matter whether you're filling out multiple brackets, betting the national championship winner, or simply looking for player in-game props. MyBookie has you covered. Sign up today at MyBookie.ag and use promo code SOURCESSAY to secure a deposit bonus up to $1,000. That's promo code SOURCESSAY to claim your first deposit bonus. College ball, NBA, and NHL, no matter the sport, no matter the minute, from tip-off to buzzer, MyBookie puts the action in your hands with in-game live betting. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with my bookie. All right, we will end the show with this. So, two decisions are down. Devin Askew is in. Cameron Fletcher is out. We now have B.J. Boston, Terrence Clark, Isaiah Jackson, Olivier Saar, Davion Mintz, Lance Ware, Dante Allen, Keon Brooks, and Jacob Toppin left to decide, you know, whether – and I guess Oscar Sheboy as well, but I think that it's pretty pretty much done deal that he's returning. It'd be uh, – having him being a none and done would be just an absolute nightmare scenario for the program. So let's just not even entertain that possibility. <laughs> so let's just kind of quickly run down the list. B.J. Boston, a lot of talk about him potentially being that, like, surprise returnee. Coach Cal kind of keeps him hinting at this – two-year plan for him kind of following suit of you know the likes of Emmanuel Quickly and PJ Washington Sean do you buy the two-year plan for Emmanuel Quick or for well I guess you did buy the two-year plan for Emmanuel Quickly for BJ Boston do I buy it and hoping that he does it 
Yes, <laughs> absolutely. But I'm not going to allow myself to get my my hopes up that we do see a sophomore BJ Boston. Just because how many times do we we go down this rabbit hole with uh, whether it's Kevin Knox or uh, someone like that? I mean, I remember even Shea Gilgis Alexander postponed his decision till Monday, and everybody's like, "Oh, oh no, he's coming back. He's coming back." Uh, but it just feels different because Cal publicly discussed it. Mm-hmm. Cal, that was kind of I don't I don't know who I still don't know who Cal was talking to there. I don't know if he was talking to BJ, if he was talking to scouts, hoping that they're honest with BJ. But I will say this, the fact that he laid a goose egg in the SEC tournament game against Mississippi State tells me just maybe, yeah. maybe yeah. that it's the worst, possible. The worst, the worst thing that could have happened is B.J. Boston explodes for 25 points on in a nine, of, yeah, nine of 13 shooting or whatever, and U.K. loses the game. That would have been the nightmare scenario. For him to go out with a goose egg – Kind of makes you look like, you know, or, you know, is he is he second guessing this? Is this something that Cal's kind of looking at and going, look, you didn't get the college experience, you didn't get the Kentucky experience, you didn't get to, you know, imagine BJ Boston's, um, you know, what was it, the, the twenty one point game where he shot lights out? Um, was that South Carolina to end, end the regular season? It was, yeah. I mean, imagine that. Imagine that on top of the Davion Mintz explosion from three, both of them finished six of ten, six of eleven shooting from three. Could you imagine what Rupp Arena would have done to both of those players in those specific moments? And Cal is pushing that. Cal's saying, "Look, you could be the ultimate celebrity, BJ. If you return, you would be the ultimate celebrity on campus. You'd get the actual." You know, everybody's talk, talking about everything returning back to, you know, normalcy next year. College football stadiums are already talking about being at full capacity. Uh, you know, you go down a list, people are starting to anticipate normalcy going into next year. Cal can pitch that and say, look, you were at your best, BJ, when you were at Sierra Canyon with, all, with you know, every stadium and, and high school gym and, and NBA arena that you were in as a senior at Sierra Canyon – packed from from top to bottom they sold out nba arenas last year at sierra canyon you know you could get that experience again that's where you shined your brightest last season bj was when you were under the bright spotlight you know this year he was playing in in convention centers with where you could hear the echo of the ball dribble you know throughout the arena it was horrible i mean you were there with you know we were down at in atlanta together that was horrible it was just it was they were in you know state farm arena uh, you know at the atlanta hawks facility you know it could have been this this massive opportunity for him to kind of uh, you know the holiday hoops giving event and it was it sucked the event sucked and that's not not at any fault to the, you know the holiday hoops giving people or the you know state farm arena it was none it was nobody's fault it was just the fact that it was an nba arena this colossal experience where you all you heard was you know shoe squeaks and coach screaming and, and the ball dribbling it, it, that's not a, that's not a kentucky experience he could no. come back and you hear the, the ear piercing sounds of the screams and the cheers and you know all of that that's where i learned to trust you by the way why? What, what was that? Remember when we were trying to get out of that place and I was trying to lead us the wrong way and you're like, literally, we just got to get on the elevator and go up one floor. And I'm like, Jack, that's not going to work. <laughs> and guess it was right. It was most certainly me. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I, I'm, I'm a bill. I, I would caution fans to 
expect him to go and be happy to see him return as of right now. But it's not a an open and door, you know, open door, closed door situation where um, you know, it's it's a done deal. I think there is some level of optimism going into this offseason. I think the same thing with Terrence Clark. The, he was a an absolute done deal to be gone. Both of them had their bags packed going into you know start to start the season. But you know, he's a guy that missed 80% of his games, you know, or whatever it was, 70% of his games or whatever, came back and, and had an okay final appearance. But, you know, that's the type of guy that if, if UK could get both of those two back, I mean, you're, we're talking complete game changer. Let's just hit reset on the season. Screw it. We're all in. Um, so and I think that I kind of hoped that Cal kind of just changes his, his mindset where it's usually – I'm here to help you go talk to your family, go talk to your friends, go talk to NBA scouts who are all pushing them to leave. I'm hoping that he uses this opportunity to go, look, you're not good enough to be in the NBA. You're going to be living in the G league right now. What would it hurt for you to come back a year? You, you know, they're pushing toward the name and likeness rules and you know, you, you might be able to you know, make some profit by being here. You know, what, what, what would it hurt for, and I, I mentioned, mentioned this on last, last week's episode, what would it hurt for a guy that came in expecting to be a $40 million type player over the course of four years down to what he's now expected to make like $7 million over the course of his four years? There's, there's 20 to $30 million to be made by returning to school for B.J. Boston. And, a, and there's nobody that's going to take his role. No. There's nobody that's going to take his spot. It's, it's kind of the, the thing that they need, right? But – when you look at the last two games, when you look at what he did against South Carolina and he exploded, that's, that was B.J. Boston, and that still wasn't B.J. Boston at what I think his best will be. That was B.J. Boston relying on a jump shot, which B.J. Boston, I think the biggest thing – why do I keep calling him B.J. Boston? Why can't I just say B.J.? <laughs> so, B.J., when it comes down to finishing at the rim, I think that was the biggest – issue in his game this season he could not finish inside of three or four feet you saw it early on in Nashville he had two beautiful looks right there at the rim could not get them to go and that kind of set the tone for the rest of the game for him and then he became a player Jack that if he wasn't hitting the open three he wasn't giving you anything offensively but he did impact the game in steals he did impact the game in rebounds which I thought was big and that's why I kind of want to see him come back to Kentucky is he was a good teammate through all of it as the year went on, the shot selection got better, things like that. He didn't force the action in Nashville, didn't take 10 to 12 shots shooting poorly. I think he shot, what, maybe five shots, if yep. I'm not mistaken, somewhere through there. Uh, but I think the biggest thing is when you look at the last two games, obviously zero points, not knocking down shots. South Carolina, 20-plus points, knocking down threes. That right there shows the inconsistency that you don't want to enter that league doing. You do not want to enter that draft that inconsistent. You want to have something to hang your hat on. And I think it's come back to Kentucky, get stronger, get a year uh, with Rob and those guys in the weight room, and then go in there and show that you can finish in traffic. And when your jump shot's not working, you can still be that crafty playmaker and get to the rim. That's what sophomore BJ would do. Yeah, absolute game changer. I think it'd be huge, huge news for Kentucky. Um, all right, going down the list, Davion Mintz, he's a guy that – openly talked about the possibility of coming back. He would be, you know, that, that dagger thrower that Cal keeps talking about over and over, over and over again. Sean, I'm starting to think that he is the biggest piece of the puzzle for Cal, you know, assuming that BJ Boston does what we all anticipate, you know, anticipated going into this, this off season 
to, to start the year. I think from a, from a surprise standpoint, obviously BJ Boston will be the biggest, but a guy like Davion Mintz is, it feels like the biggest realistic surprise um, and, and one of the most necessary important pieces for Kentucky going into this offseason. Huge. <laughs> it's, it's, it's big. Uh, we've been saying this for, what, six weeks now of how important he is. And with every game, he showed how important he was to this team. And I just want to see Davion Mintz on a roster where Kentucky has a packed house at Rupp Arena. They're on the road in some of these environments. I want to see him play along other elite players. That's the kind of kid that gets you going on a run in the NCAA tournament. I mean, that's I – mean, there's rosters all over. Some of the best rosters in college basketball have guys like Davion Mintz. And I said it during the game against Mississippi State. There is a spot for Davion Mintz on every single Kentucky basketball roster that I can remember, whether that be the John Wall team, whether that be the 2012 team, whether that be the team that went 38-1. You can find a spot for a kid like that. I mean, he's a warrior, Jack. I mean, what, how many times – would, what would Kentucky have been without him? <laughs> well, they've even won four games. Worse. <laughs> I, like, I mean, he, he accepted it, though. But at times you could see that he got frustrated, and that's the thing I think is the most disappointing, is Davion Mintz came to Kentucky hoping to play in the NCAA tournament, hoping to get the, the magic that is Kentucky basketball and the special feeling. He didn't get it. Nate Sestina came to Kentucky hoping to play in the NCAA tournament. He didn't get to do it, but at yeah. least he got to experience what Kentucky is all about. These guys on this roster did not. And that and Davion Mintz, if you're handing out superlatives and MVP awards and stuff, I mean, Isaiah Jackson's obviously the, the lottery pick, but Davion Mintz was the glue. He was the MVP of this season, in my opinion. He was kind of the one of the few moments that you look and you saw some sunlight, just given how he – Look, Jack, when he first committed last year, you and I were you and I kind of talked about it about 36 hours before it became official. And we got on the phone and we're like, hmm, how does this fit? You know, where does he fit alongside this and everything? And I, I think that we both kind of was like, all right, if he's seventh, eighth man, pretty good. Well, no. The, he became know, he became their dude. Talking about talking to people around the program, they kept saying over and over again, perfect fit. He's the perfect fit for Kentucky. He's exactly who we want. And we're kind of sitting there looking like, really? Like, I mean, why? Like, you know, what, what are they seeing that we, we don't? You know, the, at the time, they thought he would be the, the transitional piece for, De, for Devin Askew. He would kind of start to, to open the year and then – slowly transitioned to Devin Askew as he got more comfortable. Obviously the transition period was a little bit longer for Askew than they anticipated. And, and he was, and a he didn't start early. He was a different perfect fit than, uh, than I think the uh, staff anticipated, but he ended up working out right in their favor. That was a, a huge, huge piece for the program. And I don't know, like, let's say, do they get Justin Powell? Does BJ Boston come back? Uh, does, does Devin or does Davion start next year? If he comes back, we don't know. It depends on who's there. But I will say this, if he comes back, I think he has potential to be exactly what he was this year. Get to that and around better pieces, he might get to that 12, 13 points per game. And you add that. And then what else did you get to see down the stretch, though? His assist numbers went through the roof. Mm -hmm. His impact to the stat sheet was across the board, which makes it even more frustrating that he probably should have been the one in December. And then maybe the offense would have got clicking a little bit sooner. 
uh, just like Dante Allen obviously goes nuclear against Mississippi State. I don't know what in the heck Mississippi State did to him, but somebody, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Like, but but that's the thing, right? You you lean on Davion Mintz possibly coming back, but there's one more thing that I thought was big that happened in that Mississippi State game. It's Dante Allen gets to go into the offseason knowing who he is. Mm-hmm. How big is that for that kid with the yep. year that he had? Who had a more – B.J. Boston struggled. The fans were on him, but who got pulled around more than Dante Allen did this year? And not just by himself, but by his head coach. John Calipari, I want to say this, I I felt like he wasn't fair to Dante Allen in press conferences. I thought he said his name too much when his name didn't need to be said. Right. Whether it was about his defense, whether it was about defending why he only played two minutes. I thought that Cal kind of got defensive when it came to Dante and why he didn't play him early in the season when Cal should have just went with it yeah, and just said, look, you know, Dante will play. And I kept saying there was going to be another game where he was going to make an impact. And little did I know it would be the same team that he pretty much torched. I mean, I said it. Like, how does Ben Howland not have him number one on the scouting report after <laughs> what happened? But we talked about this, Jack. There, there were some people that were, you know, upset and disappointed with how they managed and how they handled Dante. But I thought that it being the final game of the season, he gets to go into an offseason with some positive momentum around his game. There, There's nothing about transferring. You know, I've talked to family and stuff, and they're all in and everything. They're, they're saying it, it's going to be an exciting year next year. Dante's going to be in the gym working. I thought it was very huge, not only for John Calipari, that Dante did what he did, but I thought it was big for Dante too. But it was really big that he did it with John Calipari standing on the sidelines, looking at it with a season on the line, and he saw this kid deliver. I thought that was huge. Yeah, yeah. I, I think he is another very important piece. And I think – He was another... the life raft, right? I mean, Cal threw it out there. They're sinking. The ship is sinking. And Dante's the one that's still floating. Yeah. Did we ever think we'd see that this season? He almost single-handedly won that game for them last Thursday. Yeah, and, and I, I don't know if there's any other major surprises that were that I think we can – look at this off season in terms of, of draft decisions with or pro decisions slash transfer decisions. I think, um, you know, the other obvious is Isaiah Jackson and, and uh, Olivier Saar, both names that nobody is really talking about the possibility of them returning, especially Isaiah Jackson. He's a lottery pick, a lottery pick. He's gone outside of that. You're going to get Jacob Toppin back. The plan is to, you know, get Keon Brooks back right now. There were some rumors about him exploring his transfer options. And um, I believe Justin Rowland at, at Rivals.com said something to the effect that he would almost almost be shocked if he returned. But uh, his dad kind of quickly put that to rest and said there's nothing to worry about. So that yeah, I'm still not 100% sold that he – that he's still returning, but uh, I think you could still anticipate him coming back. Um, you know, Lance, where there, it would make, if there was one other piece to leave, it would probably make sense for him just out of just pure numbers. I would love to get him back. He'd be a huge, uh, you know, high energy guy, rebounding piece that, you know, he, he made an instant impact in a lot of the games this year. So, you know, he, you know, he's going to at least give you something next season. And, but he, he was always a multi-year plan, plan type guy. So the only reason he would leave would be to kind of explore his options and understand that, um, I'm not going to have as significant of a role next year as I anticipated with Oscar Sheboy coming in with Damian Collins coming in and, and looking great with, you know, I, I think if Keon comes back and Jacob Toppin comes back, 
those are four very – and Bryce Hopkins is obviously kind of penciled in as one of those three, four versatile uh, wing slash power forward threats. So it would make sense if he kind of got a little hesitant about his role moving forward and where he fits in the program maybe in the next couple of weeks or so. But I think as of right now, the plan is still for him to return. And, I mean, this is a big offseason for Cal to kind of make sure the multi-year – the guys that are supposed to come back – come back the guys that are supposed to leave leave and they pull off a couple surprises maybe you know or at least one surprise with the bj boston if if you lose keon brooks to the portal you got to get bj bought you know you, you got to get if you get one surprise transfer you got to get another surprise returnee coming back um you know outside of that the roster is already kind of filling up rather quickly with you know three signees already devin askew returning oscar Sheboy coming back there's five pieces um, you know, you get three or four other returnees. You're already talking eight, nine players, and Cal's rotations are already kind of sticking right at that. It, that is where that where it is right now. Um, Justin Powell out of Auburn is the guy that everybody's talking about right now. Um, you know, C.J. Frederick out of Iowa is another is the other mm-hmm. name that uh, there there are some there's some strong rumblings that he is going to ultimately put his name in the portal and Kentucky would be a, a strong option on, on his end that he's very interested in coming to Kentucky. So that Cal's going to have his options this off season, but he's going to be able to be very selective. He already signed the number one transfer in, in the nation. ESPN just put out their latest transfer rankings. Uh, Oscar Sheboy's number one and Justin Powell is number two. So UK can wasn't, go into next season with the number one and number two transfers this offseason. Wasn't there something too about Garrison Brooks at North Carolina? <laughs> There are rumors about that, and if if Lance Ware leaves, that would be an immediate plug-and-play guy. If Keon yeah. Brooks leaves, that's an immediate plug-and-play guy. Veteran, North Carolina. There are you know there are rumblings about him as well. So, Cal, Cal, that's why it's almost so important for Cal because there are so many options out there for him, and so many possible returnees. He has to get the right fit. Do you, if you're Cal, do you just hit reset? on a horrible season that, you know, take back all of the same players and just say they're going to develop this offseason. I personally would. I, I have faith in this this group uh, as a long-term, but maybe he looks at it and goes, no, nah, it's a broken roster. I'm going to, well, you know, we're going to send Cam, Cam out, maybe uh, Lance Ware leaves the program, whatever, and he replaces them with Garrison Brooks-type players or – uh, you know, C.J. Fredericks to, you know, a pro- replace a Dante Allen or something, a guy from Iowa that can be the plug-and-play shooter like Dante Allen was. You know, whatever. Cal has so many options out there and so many possible returnees that but it almost makes it more pressure on his shoulders to get the right fit going into next year because that was the ultimate issue going into this year. Well, I think here's the thing. Like, I've, I've been saying this since January about this continuity. Right. And a lot of guys coming back. I identified five back in January on the I think it was the Florida preview where we first started talking about Davion Mintz. And then it kind of went up to six. Uh, obviously, Oscar Shootboy should factor into guys returning because that's a guy who practiced the final semester of the year. Uh, but although he didn't play, it's a returning piece that's been in your program for a bit now. But here's where I think the portal's big. You want Lance Ware back. You want Devin Askew back. You want Keon Brooks back. You want Jacob Toppin back. You want all those pieces back if you can get them. But you also got to add the portal because I still think that even if you get some of those guys back, I don't think sophomore version is the version that's ready to take Kentucky to the promised land. Yeah. 
I think junior version of some of those guys will be the one that is. Like junior, senior, Lance Ware has a long ways to go. And I think, too, when you look at – Matt said it last week on KSR that John Calipari playing Jacob Toppin seven minutes in the game against Mississippi State but starting him and then taking Lance Ware and Dante pretty much out of the rotation and then playing them a ton of minutes kind of showed that he never really figured out how to coach this team and how to manage this team when it comes to substitution patterns and what he had. Now, a lot of that goes into when you win nine games, you kind of don't know what the hell you're doing. Yeah. I mean, obviously not just Cal, but I think Cal spent the entire season just going here, I'll add a little bit of this, add a little bit of this. No, nope, that wasn't good. Throw the whole batch out. We'll try it again. It never got the ingredients in the recipe right. That's why I think the portal, if they can add two or three guys, then you still want Lance Ware in your program. You do. You don't want to send him off because you don't know. Like, I, I think down the road, another 600 days in this program for Lance Ware. So another this full offseason and another full season. What does Lance Ware look like as a junior senior? You don't know. You don't want to run those guys off. You want to see what they become. But at the same time, I don't think that just bringing all those guys back, Jack, means that Kentucky's even any better next year. Does that make sense? It does, and that's why. Because that's the scary thing, right? Because Cal can't take a chance on it because he took a chance on it this year, and look what happened. If, he, if, this, is a, if this ends up being another year where Kentucky's not good, mm, I don't know what happens then. Yeah. Okay, so say you're in Cal's shoes and Garrison Brooke Hall. But, but Oscar fits. Yeah. I okay, will say okay. that. Oscar is a fit that I think will make them better. So – uh, so Garrison Brooks calls Cal and says, we want, I want to be, you know, I want my last season at Kentucky to be to my last season of eligibility to be at Kentucky. That's two kind of plotting bigs that fans complained over and over and over again about, you know, not being able to have any spacing, not having, sh- you would have, you wouldn't have shooting out of either of your two front court spots. And is Garrison Brooks going to come for his last season of eligibility for, you know, to come off the bench? You know, ideally you have Oscar and Jacob Toppin, Oscar starting at the five, Jacob Toppin starting at the four or Keon Brooks starting at the four. And you have Garrison Brooks at the backup five and Damian Collins as your backup four. Or something, something to that effect, where you have one kind of versatile player and one kind of one of the the, the other being a plotting big, versatile player plotting big as the backups. So that would ideally, that's what you would like. But that's See, that's the problem. Do you though. risk do you risk that for one season of Garrison Brooks, for potentially two or three seasons of more seasons of Lance Ware, or? And we don't know, and we don't know about Garrison Brooks. That's just rumblings, that, like that, you that, mentioned. Just, so, like, don't take that as concrete. That's just been something that's been thrown out there, along with Justin Powell and everything else. But, like you're saying, here's the problem, right? It, let's just say that it is Garrison Brooks. Let's say that it's Damian Collins, Oscar, Keon, Jacob Toppin, Lance Ware. Not all those guys are going to be on the UK roster next year. There's just no way. That's yeah, too many yeah. bodies at that spot. Then you throw in Bryce Hopkins. I mean, that's seven dudes, three through five. It's not happening. But when it comes down to it, if you're going to play two bigs at the four or five that don't really stretch the floor at any at any point, you know what you got to have one through three. You got to have dudes that are lethal from the outside. That way that you have some spacing. Too many times this year, Kentucky had four dudes on the floor that could not shoot the ball from outside consistently. That's when you get your when you go big that it's a disaster because then those guys can't create. But then again, 
Kentucky didn't have anybody outside of Davion Mintz that really could beat somebody off the bounce. The one guy that could was sitting on the bench for three months, and Terrence Clark. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's it's going to be like I said. This Buckle is up. The, this is the biggest off season of John Calipari's. I'd say coaching career as a whole, but most certainly of his Kentucky basketball career. I'm going to make a prediction that this either sends it home or sends it on. That's that's what I think. And this this off season either packs it in, and the Calipari era kind of crumbles. What I think. What's, what was a beautiful error that, that still can be? There's still success there. There's still championships to be won. But what he does in this one offseason, I think, determines how long he does this. Yeah. Not from getting fired, but how long does he stay in this? Because I'm telling you, going through another season like this, he won't do it. Be three years of missing the NCAA tournament or three years of not, being, not getting to chase a title, that's deflating. He won't do it. Yeah, I think this is. I think that this will determine the. Yeah, the how long we see John Calipari standing on the Kentucky sidelines as a coach. I mean, he's going to be an ambassador of the program and stick around long term. But I mean, I said this on the show in the past. There are rumblings that that his coaching career is not going to last as long as people kind of make it out to be. There were rumblings when Kenny Payne left last off season that he kind of said, you're my, you're my replacement when it, when you move up the coaching ranks, DePaul fired their head coach today. Um, and that would make a lot of sense with Dwayne Peavy as the, as the AD over there to bring in Kenny Payne as the head coach there and, you know, maybe be successful for two years. And does, does Mitch Barnhart get, you know, does Cal retire then and give, um, give Kenny Payne a shot because I think Cal's behind the scenes rooting for Kenny Payne to be his replacement. I think he even mentioned publicly that he'd be open to that. So there's just a lot, a lot of moving pieces there. I mean, shoot, there's some coaching rumblings. I think big blue express mentioned the possibility of, of, um, um, of, of coach Antigua coming back for to kind of return as an assistant coach with the program. And, uh, you know, there, there have been rumblings. I, I said this on the podcast before last off season that uh, Tony Barbie is the kind of, is the guy that has been pushing for a head coaching job behind the scenes for the last year or two now. So it would make sense for kind of, for him to take a head coaching job, maybe Bruiser Flint to slide over as um, you know, the kind of associate head coach, like, Tony Barbie what is right now and then have coach Antigua kind of take back over as an assistant and do the, you know, be as be one of the main recruiters again. So there, there are just so many moving parts going to this off season that, I mean, we could see a whole different roster next season. We could see a whole different coaching staff. We could see, I mean, it's, it's going to be very hectic, very chaotic. Um, yeah. Like you said, I think you said it best buckle up and we'll be here to get you through it. We most certainly will. We're going to continue, you know, through the NCAA tournament. I think we're going to transition from this with next week, talking the majority about the NCAA tournament, kind of who's trending where and, you know, upsets and all that stuff. So that's going to be a lot. We're going to go through that with my bookie. And, um, you know, while we're at it, just go back and, and replay our little uh, Manscaped ad read. That was a lot of fun, but please go. Go uh, use that pro, p- promo code Pilgrim and, and get 20% off. Go buy some of their products and um, go sign up with my bookie and then UKFCU as well. Bunch of good sponsors for another good episode of the Sources A podcast. Sean, I appreciate you as always. Where can fans find your work? 
Uh, you can find my work at GoBigBlueCountry.com, and you can follow me on Twitter at GBBCountry. You can find me on Twitter as well, at Jack Pilgrim KSR. Reach out to me via email at jpilgrim at KentuckySportsRadio.com. With that, we will be back next time for another Jam Packed Sources Say podcast. We will see you then.